0: This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Taproot publishes a weekly tech roundup, sharing local headlines and upcoming events to help you stay up-to-date on what's happening in Edmonton's tech community. Subscribe to the tech roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. It's late here. At the read-along.
1: Welcome to read-along after dark.
0: Settle in, put on some cozy socks, get a little fire going, have a glass of wine.
1: A snifter of brandy, perhaps a cigar.
0: Yeah, and join us this evening to talk about books. It is uncharacteristically late for us to record. We Uh, are
1: are recording at an alternate time this week.
0: Yeah, uh, just the way that this week is starting to shake out. uh, It's been a little crazy here at Shea Read Along. (laughs) And uh, so we've been forced to uh, record at what is 11 o'clock local time?
1: We We are recording both early and late. Yes. Because instead of recording on a casual Tuesday afternoon... We are recording late on a Monday night. Yeah,
0: so uh, this is uh, a little peek behind the curtain as well about when we record as opposed to when we release the episode.
1: Yeah, if we get a little loopy and or sound a little gravelly, that's why.
0: Yeah, Uh, we're also uh, trying not to get too loud because we have two small sleeping children in the house. And while we are multiple floors beneath them,
1: eh, you know. Uh, we have vents. Sound L- travels.
0: Little ears and sound travels, indeed. Though both of them are pretty deep sleepers, in fairness,
1: oh. for and
0: the they, most part, and they've
1: both been asleep for a while now. Yeah, I hope. In, on <laughs> so. a,
0: in a reasonable world, we would also have been asleep, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, but uh, that is all basically preamble to, uh, I guess, getting into a brief recap of uh, our previous chapter, we might as well kind of... Oh, yeah, we should do that. ...get into it. Well, partly because it's late, and and we <laughs> want to kind of get the episode going here. So um, in our previous chapter, Jebby attempts to and fails to get a new job, having failed to procure a position at the Ministry of Arts. They find that their usual sources of work have largely dried up and ultimately make their way to Armour, where they heard that there may be a posting for an arts person.
1: (laughs) And indeed there is.
0: And not only indeed there is, it almost looks like maybe they were waiting for Jebby to turn up.
1: Right? And
0: that is what leads us into chapter four of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. So the chapter begins with some paperwork.
1: Okay, I have two things. (laughs) One, I am not proud of my, uh, the name of my notes this week. I named my notes from frying pan to dragon fire. At the time, it made sense. Even now, when I'm extra tired, is a terrible name for my notes. Second thing, <laughs> Chevy calls all of this paperwork a small infinity. And I love that turn of phrase so much. I need to start using it. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to be blatant about it. I'm going to steal it and start using it because I love it so much.
0: Apparently, Fanden had uh, taken the day off, essentially, to help them <laughs> go through these papers and and get settled into their job. And indeed, it does take a while to not read the paperwork. No. Just sign it.
1: Yep. So, which means to me that there was just an obscene amount of it. And, well, and... Like, some of those contracts must have been pages and pages long of fine print and uh, terms and conditions, right? Well,
0: Yeah. I mean, Jebby's also kind of still shocked (laughs) by all of this. Yeah. And so isn't in exactly the the best frame of mind to be going through probably dense legalese. Probably. Uh, It's a government job. There's going to be dense legalese.
1: And it's probably going to come back and bite them.
0: Like, the the Rosani Empire is clearly very bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And so the paperwork necessary, again, there's going to be a lot of it. It's going to be very meticulous. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be filled out in triplicate. Yep. Several different departments are going to have a copy of it.
1: Yep. This is a thing.
0: This is a thing. Uh, Jebby asks about going back to Hack's place to get their art supplies, and Hafandin's like, already taken care of, don't even worry about it. Uh,
1: This is problematic on multiple levels.
0: So Jebby is told, essentially in a nutshell, that the job is mostly about painting masks for the automata. And Jebby posits, well, this must have to do with the magic that animates them. And Hefandan's like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's not a secret.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, that's, it's not a spoiler. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty obvious. Uh,
0: Hefandan leads Jebby downstairs. And this is an interesting thing. Jebby actually starts to get claustrophobic as they descend. Because the idea of a basement level, pretty alien concept. Yeah. Um, And that makes sense. Like, uh, in kind of like a Korean or more Asian-style architecture, the impulse would be to build up. Yeah. Basement levels would not really be a thing so much.
1: Not, not really, no.
0: <laughs> and so the the fact that Jebby has led down several floors, actually, is uh, is quite distressing in a certain way.
1: I'm a little surprised, or, or maybe it's just because this is Jebby's point of view, uh, but I'm a little surprised that no one noticed that they were doing massive underground construction by the palace
0: someone probably did but again that person's not going to be jebby jebby's not the most observant person right for someone who's very observant in many ways because jebby's an artist and is very good at like studying people and studying subjects yes, no details noticing the fine details jebby is also oblivious
1: <laughs> yes uh i'm gonna start a counter i think because in this chapter it's been very glaring in, in previous chapters it's there but for me this chapter it's very glaring that Jebby. Tends to realize too late that they should have been paying attention to X. Yeah. Right? Whatever. Jebby did not pay attention to this paperwork. (laughs) Jebby was not paying attention to the conversations happening around them at Hack's party. Yep. Jebby didn't really pay attention to all of the things that Bonsunga was doing. It
0: wasn't interested in all of that stuff. And And now it's all kind of caught up Right. And
1: now too late, Jebby's going, oh, I should have been paying attention to that. Yep. Jebby even calls himself on it in a little bit.
0: A little bit, yeah. Now, as they head down to the basement level, Hafandin tries to assure Jebby, look, the work you're going to be doing, don't be too stressed about it. It is patriotic work. Even beyond the Rosani Empire, it is patriotic for a Hwagugan person. For a Hwaguk. Um, and Jebby's skeptical, but he's like, listen, I at least respect that the Hwagugan culture is distinct from the Rosani culture and that it has merit. Moreover, we need to hang together against western encroachment and the only way we're going to push back against the west is if we do it together so we're all in it the
1: enemy of my enemy is my friend
0: jebby is caught a little off guard by like the passion with which hafanden is like we need to we need to fight the west and we can only <laughs> do it if we have each other's backs and jebby's like whoa right and jebby's like oh, i don't know i think quaguk was doing pretty good about keeping the west out but then kind of admits only so far, though, because they've even in previous chapters mentioned that despite the fact that the the Tiger scholars or whatever they were, uh, were like, no, no Westerners allowed in our country, no Western ideas, no Western technology, nothing. Keep it out. The fact is they were trading with their neighbors still and their neighbors were being influenced by Western culture. So yeah. it was still trickling it's in.
1: Gonna, it's going to leach in. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to be entirely isolated I mean it just it just is. It's just really
0: hard. You can sabotage the data core of the Ambassador to the Empire. <laughs> but it's not going to stop his backup from still knowing something and bringing it home. Right? A little memory called Empire called back there. <laughs> if this is the first book that you've uh, that you've been following us with and you have not followed a memory called Empire, highly recommend going back and listening to that one. Uh, memory called Empire by Arcady Martin, uh, one of our previous read-throughs. Excellent book, similar to this one. There are are, are are parallels. A lot of parallels. I agree. If you're enjoying this book, you'll definitely enjoy that one. Jebby is led down several levels to a well secured chamber beyond a set of like metal double doors leading into a vast room, which is essentially an aircraft hangar. Yes.
1: Uh, Underground. Yeah.
0: In which there is a chained up dragon robot.
1: Yes. 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 You know, as you do. As you
0: do. Jebby uh, is not. As you do by
1: this. (laughs) Right? This is all, this is a lot. This is a lot for anyone to take in all at once.
0: Yeah. Like Jebby's never seen a non-humanoid automata and immediately is like, oh, well, I suppose it makes sense that there could be a non-humanoid automata, but the idea of a mechanical dragon never occurred to them until this moment. And there is one right there. Yep. In front of them. Right. Uh,
1: I, I almost said in the flesh, but that is not. No. It is not flesh.
0: No. Uh, this is Arazi, a word that means storm in Hwagugan, though Jebby assumes it means something else in Razani. It might not. It might not. Now, Jebby is also familiar with dragons. Apparently, they're benevolent creatures. They do things like help bring the rains. The Hwagugans in particular have, like, a patron dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dragon Queen Under the Sea is what it is called.
1: Right? That's yeah. nice. And now Jebby is standing there facing a basically a war dragon.
0: Yeah, like... Dragons are are peaceful, benevolent creatures. Arazi is not those things. Very obviously. There is a green circle of don't get any closer than this on the floor.
1: Right? I don't think Jebby intended to have their soul utterly crushed this morning when they left the house.
0: No, probably not. Mm. Jebby is formally introduced to their new supervisor, uh, Vey, whom clearly Hafandon and Vey do not have. A great relationship, right from jump. There's an <laughs> iciness between them that Jebby picks up on. Oh yes. Um, Vey is also a duelist. Apparently, the the Ministry duelist, because when when the Ministry's honor is besmirched, you call upon the Ministry duelist to defend the Ministry's honor. Yes. That's just that just tracks.
1: And one would assume that the duelist for the Ministry of
0: Armor, They're pretty good at their job. Probably. Fandor takes his leave, makes his way back up to his fancy office. And Jebby kind of gets right to the point and is like, so that dragon thing, is that is that super dangerous? And Vey's like, yep. And guess what? You get to be one of the people who gets right up close to work with it.
1: <laughs>
0: Vey actually brings us back to a rumor around this point that Jebby half heard a few chapters back that we commented on about a massacre at an outlying village. Yes. Um, at the time... I personally had kind of thought that it was a massacre of rebels that had taken place that they were talking about. But apparently, no, it was not. The, what was massacred was a Rosani garrison. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that's because they were testing Arazi at that garrison. But something went wrong, and the dragon killed everyone, <laughs> including <laughs> the former head of the project.
1: Yeah. Which
0: is which was not the murder, we had supposed, but also kind of still murder.
1: Kind but, of still murder.
0: I mean, if a robot kills you, were you not murdered by that robot? Yes. There you go. Agreed. That's you why you should, this is why you don't program robots to
1: kill. Haven't they heard of the laws of robotics?
0: Indeed. So new troops were sent in. They were able to subdue Arazi by removing its mask. Right. And we'll we'll kind of get into that in it's a minute.
1: Some Something about that takes away its, like, magic it's, life. It's
0: automation. Yeah. yeah. And then they disassembled it. And transported it secretly back to the capital.
1: Well, that's also how they transported it the first time. So the disassembly wasn't like a, oh, we need to take this apart for our own safety. It was just, that's how they move a dragon.
0: Oh yeah, because you don't want, if you're trying to keep your dragon secret, you don't just parade it through the streets.
1: Right? You don't throw it on the back of a truck, throw a tarp over it and drive it around.
0: No, you you take it back in secret in night. Yes. Because stuff moves back and forth from the palace all the time. It's not really noteworthy. No. Jebby is a little surprised they reassembled it and turned it back on if it's so dangerous. And Vey is like, "Eh, it was decided that it was a little more valuable to observe it while it's active until, quote, its grammar can be fixed.
1: Yes. Assuming at some point we'll get a detailed explanation of that.
0: We kind of can surmise. Yes. Based a little bit on context clues here. Um, But it is an interesting choice of words. My guess, at this juncture in the chapter, and it's kind of backed up later on, is that the writing on the automata is essentially magical computer code.
1: Yes, that's what I got too.
0: Yeah, and I will put a pin in that because we'll come back to it Mm -hmm. in a a little bit. So, number one, Jebby now understands how the old artist died. Yep. And B, why no one is eager to take the job. Yep. Because everybody who was working on the project is now afraid of the project.
1: (laughs) Yes, all very valid concerns. Yeah. In so many possible meanings of the phrase, Jebby is in over their head.
0: Oh, yes. Um, They ask why Vey is there, uh, because it seems weird that a ministry duelist would be in charge of this project. And Vey says that they actually asked for the job after a semi, the old artist, died, because they were friends. And Vey doesn't blame Arazi for the death, because Arazi's a machine. And it was an accident, yeah. but wants to be there to ensure that such an accident does not reoccur. They also thought that she might be of use because they don't know the quality of the notes left behind by Asemi for the new painter. And uh, they felt that she might be able to kind of fill in some of those gaps, especially because Asemi's old assistant is in the wind. Nobody knows where the assistant went. Uh, they were not killed in the massacre. But they are on the lam and uh, with a hefty bounty on their heads as well, because they are privy to state secrets. So Jebby quite reasonably asks, well, why didn't you just promote someone internally? And Faye's like, nah, I think you can guess why. Everybody's pretty shaken by the incident. And frankly, everyone's also working on other projects. So there's other stuff going on than just the Arazi project. So... Everyone's kind of busy. We we needed someone new. It was inevitable that someone new was going to be brought in. Mm-hmm. So they just decided to do this. And Jebby's like, I don't believe that at all.
1: Nor should they. Something
0: is up here. Vey leads Jebby to their spacious little apartment.
1: Spacious and underground, right?
0: Disturbingly close to the dragon hangar as well.
1: Right? Like right <laughs> yeah. next door. It's like, here's the dragon. And this tiny hallway right next to the dragon has your room.
0: Yeah. Oh. And then down this hallway is your new workspace which is a nice workshop area. It's subdivided a little bit. There's some other people working in it. Yeah,
1: uh, there's screens up, dividing it up for people, right? Yeah,
0: and Vey explains at this point kind of what we were discussing before. Basically, the automata are indeed programmed by both combination of the characters used on their masks and the paints used for those characters. Yes. And the combination of those uh, imbues them with whatever characteristics they are required for their job. Um, And she's like, I'm going to have Sean here. Another one of our artists give you a little rundown on on how this all gets done, and Sean does indeed give quite a demonstration.
1: This this hurt me, this hurt my soul. This these these next like two paragraphs.
0: Well, it also hurts Jebby's soul.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm legit surprised that Jebby didn't just pass out or something.
0: I mean, Jebby had to be restrained.
1: Oh my god.
0: So, in a nutshell, the Rosani break down priceless artworks. The older and more original, the better. Uh, And use them as the base for pigments for their magical paints. Uh, Hack, it seems, has been funneling them original works to do this with.
1: I don't like Hack anymore.
0: Um, And Jebby's job will, of course, be to take these paints and write a new code for Arazi. So Arazi can be used without going berserk and killing everybody. Again. Again. Jibby is horrified Yes. by all of this.
1: Anita was horrified.
0: They also realize they're trapped because as of that moment, they now know too much. Yep. And so they are no longer free, basically. Nope. Um, and it kind of goes back to hefandin's comment last chapter, you're not a prisoner, but if you leave, it will be infrequently and under guard. Yeah. And also nice. why they wanted Bong Soonga as insurance. Yep. Because uh, this is a big deal. hmm Yeah. Uh, Jebby also comes to the conclusion that Vey is not just there as an advisor, mm-hmm. but is basically there to keep everyone in line. And if anybody tries to run for it, a skilled armory duelist is going to be there to stop them. So there is danger. Hooray! And that's the end of chapter four.
1: Yes. So, my my comment last episode about how a gilded cage is still a cage. hmm Well, this is now a very fancy, very large underground gilded cage that is still a cage.
0: Yeah, that uh, Jebby gets to share with a dragon. Yeah. With a crazy robot dragon.
1: <laughs> good fun. Right. So, this Sean guy has a particular set of skills, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He seems very good at identifying what artwork will translate into what pigment.
1: This is what I wrote about him. A very heartless artist with a particular set of skills. Yep. I don't care what nationality you are from. How can an artist stand there and watch another priceless work of art be destroyed? Like, I mean, how can he do that? How can he? How?
0: How? I mean, we don't know that he doesn't also have family members who are under protection.
1: You have to be a monster to do it?
0: There's an implicit threat of death hanging over Jebby's head. We can assume that might be the case with most of the rest of them. They're dealing in a top-secret project.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It just... Oh, it hurt. (laughs) It hurt.
0: If it's any consolation, the priceless original artwork that he destroyed apparently has been copied and reproduced multiple times.
1: It's not the same. Look. It's not the same.
0: Just because the original Mona Lisa got turned into paint... (laughs) Doesn't mean there aren't other Mona Lisas around.
1: It's like it's like shattering the statue of David to make marbles. Like uh, no, Mon, no, no, not to not to
0: make marbles, Nita. It's like shattering the statue of David to make bullets.
1: Yes, it's like shattering the statue of David to make bullets, and that I cannot tell you how how horrible that is to me. Also, by the end of this chapter. Uh, I realize that Jebby is perfect for this dragon job for a number of reasons.
0: It's probably why they were chosen.
1: Would you like to know my reasons?
0: Let me lead into that. Right. Because I'm going to say, I had supposed last chapter that maybe Art's loss was armor's gain, but I'm Jebby certainly is leaning more towards your theory. And I think I'm also starting to lean more towards that theory too. I think Jebby did so well at that art assessment that armor was like, uh, you guys can't hire this person. We need this person. We
1: need, we need a dragon artist, and we need to make sure that we get this dragon artist.
0: The fact that Hack that day had someone from Armor come and be like, or someone with connections in Armor mm. show up and be like, Armor's looking for someone. The fact plant, that, plant that bug. Here. The fact that all of Jebby's uh, regular sources of income just miraculously dried up all of a sudden, people who Hack has links to, might I add, And the fact that Hafandin was able to go to Hack's house and get all of Jebby's stuff and bring it there that day strongly implies to me that Hack was in on this, practically from jump.
1: Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't like Hack anymore.
0: Now, Armor clearly thinks that Jebby is the right person for the job, and you seem to think that they have a particular set of skills themselves, and I would like to hear what your thoughts are on
1: that. So these are all the things I wrote down that makes Jebby perfect for this dragon job. They are... Expendable. Correct. They are naive. They are uh, blackmailable. Absolutely. They are perfect.
0: Well, they're also an incredibly <laughs> talented artist.
1: Yes. Incredibly talented artist. Perfect for this job. Yeah. Jebby is exactly also, what these people are looking I for. I mean, to
0: an extent, also apolitical. I mean, that's it would be one thing if they were trying to coerce someone who was obviously a Hoagook uh, patriot. Mm-hmm. And while Bong is, Jebby's not. not. Like, even assuming that Hack was in on it from the start, Hack would have been able to pass along that I know this person who is not interested in politics and would probably be happy to do the job.
1: Yeah. May just take a little coercing.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I I get the feeling that one of the reasons that Jebby is so put off at this juncture is because they were coerced into it. They feel like they were trapped into it.
1: Just thought of another ingredient. Hmm. Desperate.
0: Oh, they are desperate. They were it...
1: they were desperate before it was orchestrated, though. Yes. Right? They were desperate before they took the exam.
0: Well, they weren't desperate at that
1: point. Mm, they were getting there.
0: They were only desperate in as much as they had borrowed money from a moneylender.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Desperate maybe isn't the right term for it. In need.
0: They were eager to improve their station.
1: Yes. And so then if Armour did orchestrate this back as far as the exam, right, from the exam results, uh, that means that they made Jebby desperate.
0: Oh, for sure. That was part of
1: the orchestration, right? Yeah. Make them desperate enough to come to
0: us. Yeah. No, for (laughs) sure. That's definitely the case. They were channeled there. And again, that's, I think, one of the reasons why Jebby is a little resentful at the moment. If Jebby had come there of their own volition, I think that they would be less offput right now. I mean, they'd still be horrified to learn the source of the paints that they're using, but I think they wouldn't be as completely offput as they are by the fact that they feel pressured into this job at this mm-hmm. juncture. They don't want it now. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, but it's too late.
0: But it is too late. They're in too deep. They're all. It's been less than a day, and they're already in too deep.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, this is not going to end well.
0: No, it's but not.
1: We, but we know that because we read the back of the book with the little you know, teaser synopsis on it.
0: Yeah, but that teaser synopsis doesn't imply if it's going to end well or not. No, that's true. We know the job's not going to end well. No. But. (laughs) Uh, But perhaps we'll learn a little bit more about what the job entails as we move into chapter five next week. In the meantime, you know... Jebby's not too happy about being coerced into doing something that they don't want to do. And as it happens, there's another podcast here on the Alberta Podcast Network where two guys are also being coerced into doing something they don't particularly want to do. But it might just be something worth checking out. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm the machine. And we do a podcast called Kyle and Dave versus the machine. It's a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although, Dave, you and I tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Well, it's the machine's fault, like everything, and by effect your fault, Kyle, that you've invited me, and this is the only thing I like to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to face the apocalypse alone, so you seem like a good patsy to bring along with me. If you wanted somebody that was going to give you some hope, you picked the wrong person. Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. New episodes are out every Friday. Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. Great title. And you should definitely give them your support because they are preventing the end of the world. <laughs>
1: Thank you for your service, guys. Yeah.
0: Uh, you can check out Kyle and Dave versus The Machine and all of the other member podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, one of them is going to absolutely tickle your fancy. Uh, you can download it on your podcatcher of choice while you're there. It's probably we are catching our pod.
1: That seems likely, yeah.
0: You could give us a little rating and a review.
1: Oh, you sure could.
0: That could help us out a lot. It would. You can also reach out to us on social media.
1: Yes. We are on Twitter instagram facebook and goodreads we are at the read along on most of them
0: you can also email us directly
1: yes we are the read along at gmail.com
0: we promise to read your messages
1: well scott does
0: and with that said as always we love you very much and we'll see you next time
1: probably for more dragon
0: things